Welcome to the Omer Podcast, the perfect place for personal development, fitness, and success in life. I invite you to dive in with me to the minds of successful people from different fields, and together we will improve our quality of life. So, Eric Drexler, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, for those who don't know who is Eric Drexler, can you introduce yourself in a short brief? Yes. Um, so, I um, work with uh, Stronger by Science. Uh, I also publish a monthly research review called Mass. Uh, my background uh, started out, like most people in fitness, just really love sports, played football and, and wrestled. Got very into lifting and nutrition, and I've been doing it ever since. So I uh, got my Ph.D. at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and uh, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist, uh, certified in sports nutrition as well. And so I do a little bit of writing about fitness and a little bit of coaching uh, when it comes to one-on-one -on -one fitness clients as well. Cool. Can you take us back in time? Have you always dreamed about working in the fitness industry? Yes, definitely. Um, so the way it all started, uh, I was 12 years old and I played American football and weightlifting is a big part of, of, uh, you know, the training process for American football. So I started lifting weights for that and really enjoyed lifting weights, uh, and then eventually got involved in wrestling and that made me, uh, start to look more at the nutritional side of things. And uh, I started coaching the month that, that my playing career ended. I immediately became our strength coach after my wrestling season was over. Um, so I'd say I probably have known since I was about 14 that I was definitely going to do something fitness-related. Wow. Okay, so I would like to ask you about three different fields, about workouts, nutrition, and mindset. So let's cool. dive into, into workouts. There are a lot of misconceptions regarding bodybuilding. What do you believe is the biggest misconception and why? On the training side? On the training side, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think the biggest misconception when it comes to training for bodybuilding is I think people overestimate the amount of volume that you need per workout. You know, so you'll, you'll see people who are going and they're only training chest that day. And that's okay. You, you know, you can structure a, a program well um, within those parameters. But they will do set after set after set in that single workout. I think that's a big tendency people have. Um, I think another misconception is that you need to take almost every set to failure. So I, I think a lot of times people combine both of those misconceptions inception. So they are doing a ton of sets per muscle group in a single workout and they're taking almost every set to failure. So a lot of those sets toward the end of the workout, um, you know, there's a little bit of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the biggest obstacle that stops people from reaching their fitness goals? And why do you think, uh, how do you overcome them? Um, you know, I would say, uh, from a, from a bodybuilding perspective or people with physique related goals, I think, um, a lot of times people shift 
their their goal very rapidly. So, for example, they will start a new program, do it for a couple weeks, get a little bored with it, and switch to another program before they really give that program a chance to to really work over time. And you see that with people uh, when it comes to bulking and cutting as well. So they'll do a, you know, they'll start cutting and do it for four weeks and say, I feel small, I better bulk again. Then they'll bulk for four weeks and they'll say, I feel fat, I need to cut again. And so if you're not careful, the, the idea of program hopping from program to program, but also rapidly changing between bulking and cutting, you can get in a position where you really impair your long-term progress because you're not staying on track with that particular goal. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips for those who are new in the fitness industry? Um, in the fitness industry, so people who are coaching and writing and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, on the writing side, I would say uh, it's really important to um, – to take time on your writing or your podcast, whenever, whatever type of information you're putting out, it's really important to take your time with it and make sure, um, you know, consider every counter argument, whatever point you're trying to make, think through, uh, what potential arguments against, uh, your content would be and make sure that your content is really going to stand up to those arguments before you put it out. You know, it's, it's really good to take your time, uh, run it by people that you trust and say, Hey, do you mind taking a look at this article and letting me know if I'm missing anything? Um, when it comes to coaching, I would say, uh, one of the most important things you could do as a coach or a trainer is be flexible. Uh, I think a lot of people think that uh, being a fitness coach means creating some kind of system that never changes and you just get clients, you put them into your system and then they, they do it or they don't. Um, from my perspective, coaching is about uh, supporting your client, being flexible to make sure that you're accommodating all of their needs uh, and their goals and making adjustments and really helping them solve problems as those problems come up. So if, if you think that coaching is just developing a singular program and just plugging people into it, um, you know, I, I don't think that's a, an effective way to go about coaching. If you talked about uh, flexibility, can you talk a little bit about what is the right mindset to adopt? The right mindset. Is this as a lifter or is this as a coach? Um, you can talk about both. Yeah. Um, as a lifter, I, I think um, the most important thing you can do in terms of mindset is uh, stay focused on long-term goals. Um, it's very easy, like I said, to get caught up in very short term bursts where you're, you're shifting your goals back and forth, or, um, you know, you have short term frustrations that, that cause you to lose motivation or enthusiasm. I think remembering to keep your long term goals in mind is good, not only for your motivation, but for your planning as well. You know, so for, for me, uh, you know, in the past I've dealt with some injuries, um, which is kind of a natural part of doing any kind of sport. And, uh, what's really important is not just shutting down because you know you have to adapt your training but remembering that staying the course focusing on recovering in the short term is going to help you get back to the way you like to train in the long term um, so that, that's probably the most important mindset thing is having the long-term consistency even though sometimes the short-term goals seem more important or the short-term obstacles can have a tendency to make us lose sight of our long-term goals. Uh, as a coach, I think the right mindset, uh, I kind of already addressed it a little bit, but really making sure that you understand what a coach's role is 
Um, I, I have a lot of uh, clients who, when they first start working with me, they're very surprised by how much feedback I ask for, how many questions I ask them, uh, uh, the, the type of really personalized responses they get from weekly check-ins and things like that. And uh, I, I think it's because my general perspective on coaching, again, is uh, I am supposed to know the theory of training and nutrition, not just have a single rigid plan that people do. And so uh, remembering that you're there to support your client's goals and remembering that you're there to uh, apply your theoretical knowledge and turn that into a program that suits their needs. Um, that, that's probably the most effective mindset you can have as a coach uh, because uh, aside from, I mean, it's, it's going to get your clients better results, but it's also going to cause less frustration for both of you because if you you're, if you have your one single program that you think everyone should be doing and it's not working for somebody, you're naturally going to get very frustrated and they're going to be frustrated with you. But if you take that flexible approach, when someone says, hey, this isn't working for me, your natural response is, oh, okay, well, let's adapt it. You know, it, it's a much healthier way to approach the process. So good and positive approach is actually crucial for achieving fitness goals, right? It's actually what? crucial, right? I'm not sure I understand. It's uh, very important. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. So what is the best uh, mindset to, to adopt? Uh, best mindset, uh, you know, like I said, very flexible, um, very focused mindset. Um, I think one of the things that's also important on top of, uh, on top of those things is, uh, generally maintaining optimism and positivity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I know a lot of people who, uh, their mindset as a lifter, I get a lot of questions, uh, about, uh, you know, are my goals possible? Um, is it possible that I have already gotten as far as I can possibly go as a lifter? You know, is it possible that I, I don't have the potential to get stronger, build more muscle, lose more fat. And, uh, I, I try whenever possible to get my clients out of that mindset and try to say, well, there's a lot of different strategies for whatever goal we have muscle gain, strength gain, fat loss. And before we even start speculating about whether or not we are at our limits, we should at least make sure we're trying some of the, the really good evidence-based solutions and different strategies. And if we find over time that we try every strategy that we could possibly think of that makes sense and none of these strategies seem to get, to get progress moving in the right direction, at that point you might start to consider, you know, maybe we are kind of uh, approaching a ceiling here. Maybe there's nowhere else for us to go. Um, but, but, I, I've never had a client uh, where the first time we started, they were already at their their absolute peak. Uh, I, I've seen people that uh, are very good bodybuilders in their 30s who get better in their 40s. I've seen lifters who are excellent in their early 20s. And, I mean, you know, national level, world class lifters by their late 20s, they're still even better. So I've seen people go from exceptional to even better. And, and I think it's important that we, that we don't lose sight of that, that, that that's a possibility. I want to dive in a little bit into nutrition. There are a lot of different types of diets. There is the keto, fasting, high protein, low carb. Do you believe there is a best type of diet? I really don't. Um, my approach to dieting is, uh, 
It's kind of like I said with, with training. You know, we have this kind of theoretical understanding of how nutrition works. And then the goal is how do we turn that from a good general understanding into an actual diet, you know, a practical, specific diet. When it comes to nutrition, my approach is, you know, most of my clients, you know, we're, we're very specifically focusing on physique or performance-related goals. And, uh, and, and the main things I, I keep in mind are we have to have enough protein in the diet. Um, and generally speaking, 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body mass seems to be a, a good range for most people that are really into lifting. Um, aside from that, I need to make sure that we have enough fat in the diet. Um, you know, dietary fat is essential, which means we need to get some essential fatty acids from the diet because our body cannot make them uh, independently. And so, uh, you know, I, I basically, when I start with a diet, I make sure we have enough protein and enough fat. Usually for fat, I start with no less than 0.5 or 0.6 grams per kilogram of body mass. Once we have the protein and the fat minimums in place, we have a great deal of flexibility. And what you'll find is there's no perfect way to arrange the rest of those variables. Obviously, you're going to have a bunch of carbohydrates that you add in on top of that for, for the vast majority of people. But the exact way that you start distributing the rest of the calories in that diet, whether they're from fat, carbohydrate, or protein, um, it is kind of a sector secondary importance, uh, my natural tendency is to lean toward favoring a higher carbohydrate, lower fat approach for most people. The main reason uh, I like what the higher carbohydrate intake does for our performance in the gym. What I find is people uh, on you know really low carbohydrate intake sometimes struggle with some of the higher repetition work that we'll do in the gym, or we might see that they fatigue over the course of a workout uh, because of that lack of carbohydrate in the diet. So my general starting point is uh, you know a moderate to high protein intake, like I described generally higher carb and lower fat, but I do have clients that say, Eric, I don't like eating all these carbs and I, I wish my fats were higher. And of course I, I make some substitutions and, and swaps to accommodate that. And we can, we still make really good progress. So it, it's not like we're making a huge sacrifice when we do that. There are many different ways to set up a, a diet that's going to be suitable for most uh, performance and physique goals. So it's, it's flexible, like you said. Very flexible. Yeah. A lot of people look for information on the internet. As we know, there are many myths in the field of nutrition. How can people know that the information they consume is of good quality? Well, uh, the, the information they consume, uh, what you would like to do um, is ideally get your information from multiple sources. Uh, I think that's a good starting point. And uh, what you tend to find when you start doing that is there are occasionally times where you get conflicting information. And that's really uh, an interesting opportunity to figure out which of your nutrition sources are more reliable. You start to look for uh, who seems to be making the best argument uh, about that topic, who seems to be most credible. Um, sometimes there will be a consensus where one person is uh, arguing something very different from everyone else. And uh, you have to you have to wonder, that person who's going against the consensus, do they have a strong reasoning, a strong justification for that? Or are they the one who just doesn't get it? And everyone else has kind of figured out, you know, the, the, the more reliable answer. Um, generally speaking, uh, I, I try to rely on nutrition sources, uh, 
well, I mean, not generally, but exclusively. I, I try to rely on nutrition sources that are willing to give me references for any statement that is made in an article or, or if it's discussed on a podcast, many times they'll, they'll put it in the show notes. Um, but, but I, I think when it comes to getting your nutrition information, you should hold uh, the, the individual providing the information to a very high standard. And if you ask them to justify their answer, uh, they should be able to do that uh, using, you know, good a good scientific basis for that. You know, so um, they, they should have a good sound justification that lines up with our current understanding of, of nutritional science. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people learn to be trainers and nutritionists in the quest to succeed in the, in the field of fitness. What, ta- what tips would you give them? Well, um, if I was just getting started with nutrition, um, what I would probably do first is work my way through a basic uh, undergraduate nutrition textbook. Um, uh, another option would be working through a basic undergraduate exercise physiology textbook. Most of them do have a strong nutritional component in it. And the nice thing about the exercise physiology books is that they specifically are talking about nutrition that relates to exercise, uh, which is what most people in the fitness field are worried about. You know, there are some clinical aspects of nutrition that a lot of fitness practitioners are not that interested in because it's outside of their scope of practice. You know, uh, a, 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 fitness professional doesn't need to worry about, uh, you know, creating, uh, you know, a perfect diet for someone in a very specific clinical condition with some kind of uh, disease or pathology, um, because that, that's not what they do. They need to worry about nutrition to make sure someone is fueling their workouts, performing, recovering. So, uh, ideally a combination of those two textbooks would, would give you a great foundation. And then beyond that, you could explore. Uh, there are a number of online uh, nutrition certifications that might be worthwhile. Uh, the benefit there is that aside from just absorbing this very broad knowledge, those certifications in many cases uh, encourage you to apply that information and turn it from very general understanding of nutrition to actually working with a client and putting together uh, a nutritional plan for someone with some fitness-related goals. So that's that's probably where I would start. And another thing to keep in mind is really understanding your scope of practice. So understanding what, based on where you live, uh, what you are allowed to do and what you are not allowed to do when it comes to, to working in the field of nutrition. Eric, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much.